Uh, it's good to see you this morning. It's good to worship with you this morning. Uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation today for what we're going to see in here out of Romans. It's a, we're in the last chapter. We've been in this book for a while. Um, I didn't quantify how long, but I'm going to take a moment. Uh, not now, but I'm going to take a moment and quantify it. Uh, we probably could have spent more time here, I would imagine. Um, but we... Uh, but we wanted to go through the gospel. And today we're reading through um, what might be considered um, a section that might be more difficult to say, here's, here's how we're going to pull some meaning out of this. But, you know, like every scripture, every, every part of scripture the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16, we know every scripture is profitable for us. And that's something that we're going to take some time and look at today in Romans 16. So I'm going to start with this, uh, this little quote. Great opportunities to help others seldom come, but small ones come daily. So, but I'm going to start with a couple of heroic headlines, okay? So just starting with that. So I thought I'd share these moments of heroism uh, that would deserve like a commendation. What I did is I just grabbed some stories online to see um, like newspaper articles to grab some headlines. So <coughs> I'm doing this in a sense to stimulate memory. So as I'm, uh, as I'm reading through this, let's see if we can remember a story or two of our own while we're listening in. But here we go. One of the headlines was this. A bus driver spotted smoke on the bus and then rushed to get 40 kids to safety after the school bus caught fire. It sounded pretty heroic. A woman ensures safety of passengers by waving her red scarf to stop a train after spotting a broken track. Now that was pretty heroic. She had to kind of wait by the track on that one, you know? She probably spotted it and she thought, well, I'm just going to stay here with my red scarf and, uh, and try and get the, uh, the attention of the uh, engineer. There are literally hundreds of awards actually offered by the United States military um, for commendation. The, the most prestigious would be the Medal of Honor. The Medal of Honor was created during the Civil War in 1861 and it's given to what we might call the bravest of the brave. And it's awarded to service members who've displayed what we might call exceptional uh, valor in battle. There are three versions of the Medal of Armor. There's the Army, Air Force, and Navy, which includes the Marines. So far, to this point, there have been 3,473 awards given across all three branches. So a notable recipient of that is Teddy Roosevelt. Um, it took place in the Battle of what's called Kettle Hill in 1898 as a lieutenant colonel during his famous Rough Rider days. Those of us who are reading through the Rough Riders, you may know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to go into the gory details here. I'm not the world's best Rough Rider uh, scholar. But interestingly, though, this award was given actually just 21 years ago. So in 1898, he did the work, and just a couple years ago is when he received this Medal of Honor posthumously. So today, we're going to take a moment, and we're going to talk about commendation and review some of what it took to receive 
commendations or what, what it may take to receive commendation. We're going to pull this out of Romans. Uh, it's not going to be online. I'm not going to pull the Columbus Dispatch or a newspaper. Um, but do this I'll, for a minute. I want us to know that we're talking to everybody this morning. Uh, we're talking to moms and dads, talking to sons, daughters, <coughs> talking to grandmas, grandpas, um, talking to you and me. And so um, our little guys, this is something I'm thinking of you too uh, through this. Um, I'm pretty interested in or excited about what comes out of Romans for you this morning too as it comes for me so who were the folks that Paul's addressing well with this commendation um, as I read it you're gonna hear he actually commends Phoebe lady by the name of Phoebe we're also gonna hear very specifically about some folks who are actually in this church, the Church of Rome, that Paul was actually addressing. So when you think about it, we are going to answer the question that might come to mind. What kind of people do we think Paul was writing to? There actually were people, you know, that he was writing to. We need to know that it was written to real people with real lives, just like you and me. So, for me anyway, this little section puts some flesh and blood to what we've been reading because there are real people involved and that's you and me but it may in a sense make you do this at least for me it made me want to kind of think about well gee this is written to real people I wonder if I had to go back and reread some of this stuff probably would be a bad idea so we're gonna take a few moments we're gonna pull out some of the names we're gonna talk about them um, Really, we're going to spend some time, though, talking at uh, what Phoebe has done. So believe it or not, we are going to get what I think to be something pretty substantial from today's reading. So I'm going to read these verses, and we're going to pray, and then we'll get, part of a, or get a, started with our study. But when I'm reading these names, I, I, I want you to take just a moment and know that behind every single name that's given from what I'm going to be reading here in just a moment, there is an entire life's worth of substance and work and fellowship probably with Paul maybe with the community around but each name here I'm going to take a moment and pause and emphasize what Paul says about that person okay and I'm doing that because these people were had full lives they had lives like you they had lives like me okay so let's do this I'm going to read so please stand for the reading of Romans chapter 16 I'm going to read verses 1 through 16. All right, Romans 16, starting in verse 1. I commend you, or commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, who was a servant of the church of Centria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Epanetus, who is the first fruit of Achaia and to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. 
greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and fellow prisoners who are of, of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachus, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet Insectrius, Phlegion, Hermas, Petrobus, and Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Phygolicus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Please be seated. All right, let's pray. Lord, we're thankful to be here this morning. We're thankful to hear your word. Lord, you have sent greetings throughout the course of history, and we got to see and hear some names specifically that are in your word, recorded. Your, your, your word says that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain. Lord, these names are etched in stone. There's meaning behind these names. The, the lives that were lived here are meaningful. I pray that this morning, Lord, that we would know that as we grab these names and as we understand what Paul is doing here, that we would in our own lives apply and know that the very history that these folks had, we also have. Our names are also etched in stone in the Lamb's Book of Life. What a privilege. So I pray, God, that we would receive that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So as I mentioned at a glance, it might be difficult to see how we might get anything meaty out of these greetings or out of this commendation. Um, and I mentioned earlier the 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. We just read Scripture that qualifies. So what do we get from this? What do we get from this commendation? What do we get from these greetings? What happens with this? So we can be certain that there are things of value for us to gain in our lives today with this. So I'm going to lay out a couple of points that I think my hope is it will do just that for us. But first, I thought I'd define a couple of words. <coughs> Number one, to commend. What does commend, commending mean? Well, a commendation would be a to praise formally or officially. An example would be he was commended for his courageous actions. We read a few of those, or I, I announced a few of those earlier this morning through the newspaper. It also means to entrust. I commend this to your care. Okay? What's to greet someone? Well, to greet someone is to give a word or sign of welcome or recognition to meeting someone. So we greeted our guests with a cup of coffee. I thought I would give a very Ratliff example. I'm going to say that again with a cup of coffee. 
So Paul, what he was doing, he wanted to uh, do a couple of things here for, the, for this church. One, he wanted to commend Phoebe. Took some time to do that. And then two, he wanted to greet saints that he loved who were there. So first of all, I thought I'd say this. Can you imagine being one of the folks that are being greeted? Just take a moment. Could you imagine like a person coming up here with this piece of paper and they're saying, I'm going to read this letter from the Apostle Paul to us. And then, of course, we've just you know, gone through Romans chapter 1, clear to now. And then here toward the end, he says, I want to greet. I want to greet some folks. And he mentions them by name. Remember, this is for the whole congregation to hear. This wasn't quiet. I'm going to pass this around. This was read out front. So here's the visual. He's got this piece of paper, and he's reading. And he says, hey, I'd like to greet. And then, he, and then he gives off a name. Could you imagine how that would look? Well, I would say there'd be smiles throughout the room. There'd be glances throughout the room. Acknowledge, acknowledgements are being made. Maybe some real validations, possibly, to what had been accomplished. You know, this last year or so. If I were to take some time and go, hey, I'd like to send greeting for some folks who stuck their necks out for my life. Wow, that was <coughs> said in Scripture to, this, to these families. Wow. Maybe, uh, maybe a family planned on having a freedom event that got postponed. Maybe somebody was getting ready for the fair coming in Franklin County. It's a part of life. Maybe there's a couple of families that just completed the fair here this last couple of weeks. Maybe some flowers and trees are planted in somebody's yard for years so they could be enjoyed for years to come. Maybe someone, somebody in their family just had some folks graduated and they wanted to acknowledge that. They wanted to have some folks over to celebrate that milestone. Maybe some folks are planning for that to happen here in the next few weeks, say, of graduation ceremony. Real stories, real lives that were being lived with real people. So if Paul were alive today and he was writing a letter to our church, Believe me, he would be mentioning you by name. That would be happening. By the way, this is scripture. God is greeting them by name. So I'm going to make this bold statement. He also greets you by name too. God greets you by name. Let's pull that from this little greeting section. God, we are his people. You and I are his people. Something that we find ourselves saying lately. I don't know if you've been doing this. We've been doing this at our home. These are our people. Have you been hearing that or seeing some of that? These are our people. God loves us. We are his people. Amen. I was going to jokingly say, okay, let's pray. <laughs> That's a neat conclusion. That's one of those types of things that, boy, I could probably spend um, a lot of time <clears throat> there. But wait, but wait, there's more. 
I thought I'd share some more because I do think there's some meat and potatoes for us here this morning. So I'm going to go to our, the next point of our study, and we're going to get to what is Paul doing with commending Phoebe. What, who is Phoebe? What did Phoebe do? She must have been doing something pretty special. Paul, did Paul give a medal of honor? <laughs> he didn't necessarily give a medal of honor, but he gave a commendation. So I'm going to go directly to the point here, and then we're going to kind of back into it. <clears throat> Pardon me. Phoebe likely really did not do anything miraculous, to my knowledge. We're not going to pull out in Scripture prior to Romans, or I don't think we're going to find in the book of Acts, things that Phoebe did. She did not participate in doing something like parting the Red Sea or bringing somebody from the dead. That did not happen with Phoebe. She did, however, likely, she served the Lord. She served the Lord and the church on a daily basis. And probably, this is, I don't know this for sure, but I do think that she probably carried this message from Paul to the church. This literal message was likely carried from Paul to the church. Now, I will admit that seems to be pretty substantial. Now, at the time, she may not have seen that as scripture. She may not have known that as scripture. I don't know what she knew or what she didn't know. Uh, but she was given this epistle to hand over, and so she was, so she was entrusted with that. This, now, ultimately, though, you and I know this. This is actually the word of God that she was carrying, that Paul and God entrusted her and her abilities and her determination to get this letter from here to here, to get this done. This word was preserved, literally was preserved with her help. Isn't that interesting? Now, keep in mind there are other letters. Paul wrote other letters. He even referred to a couple of or one letter that I know of in Colossians. <coughs> If you're reading Colossians, there's a little section there where Paul refers to a letter that he wrote to Laodicea. I read nothing in here about the epistle of Paul to Laodicea. That was not preserved like this was. Does that make sense? So this was scripture. So that may have been lost, but that wasn't lost with her. The epistle of Romans made it to Rome. So with all this in mind, does that make her great? Oh, not really. She wasn't necessarily great because of her handling of this. Although, it's hard for me to say, this literal word of God. Yeah, man, that was, that was great. But the deed itself wasn't something that I don't think that, you know, she was running with the Olympic torch and the news was following her. You know what I'm saying? Remember this. Great opportunities to help others seldom come. But small ones come daily. So let's consider this. Why, then, was she to be commended? So it's tempting. I'll say this. Um, if I answered that, um, it'd be tempting for me to say, well, I would like to be great, or maybe she did something that was great. So, of course, um, the temptation can turn sideways if I'm not careful about this sense of greatness or that maybe I, I would want to be great. What I'm trying to do is climb into her shoes for a minute and say, hey, she, she received commendation here, so how do I apply that? Well, then I probably need to do some great things then, right? Well, let's consider this. Mark chapter 10, 
verses 35 to 45. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to talk about it for a minute. So here we go. I'm going to read it. Some of the disciples, um, I'm reading it here in a minute. I'm giving you a little commentary. James and John, they were talking to Jesus, and they were wanting to sit on Jesus' left and his right hand. So they wanted to be recognized with him. Okay? That's what was, that was the conversation that was happening. happening. And so they approached Jesus about that. And so, well, what did Jesus say about them wanting to sit on his left and on his right and be recognized with him? I'm taking a pause here. That's big. Anybody want to do that? My hands are going down. <laughs> but that's kind of a big thing. So this is what Jesus um, responded. So I'm going to start at verse 35. It says, Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? You ready for this? They said, We are able. That's right. <laughs> That's what was said. I know. Whew. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism that I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself, and he said to them, You know, that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus put them in their place. Jesus is laying out a great purpose, not necessarily a great circumstance here. The great purpose finds itself in the act of service to others. Do you sense what I'm saying here? He's laying out a great purpose, not necessarily a great circumstance, right? And this great purpose comes in the form of service. So to Jesus, if you want to be great, then you will serve others. This is not only a James and John thing. Don't get me wrong. There's, I'm going to pull out another spot here in Luke <clears throat> chapter 9, verses 43 to 48. It says this. The apostles actually, in this point, with this topic, the apostles actually begin to argue. The apostles begin to argue. While everyone marveled at the mighty things which Jesus de did, he said to his disciples, let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed 
into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying, and it was hidden from them, so they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. Then a dispute among them as to which of them would be greatest occurred. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him. And said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you will be great. That is the context of our message this morning. Whoever is least among you and I will be great. I'm wanting to lay this out today for this study. Because service or help comes in many forms. But I want us to remember that great opportunities to help others seldom come. But small ones come every day. Scripture puts it this way. In Philippians chapter 2 says this. Let each of you, verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Okay, let's think about that for a minute. What does this look like? If I'm wishing to help you, I will not want to seek my own. That make sense? I don't want to necessarily be heroic and look good. Instead, I might just be listening. I might be listening and learning. I might ask questions. We might do our level best to try and discern their interests. What are they interested in? Take that time and discern what they have an interest about. Discernment is considered the God-given ability to understand why things happen. That's how we define that in our family. Discernment is the God-given ability to understand why things happen. Now, that doesn't happen with a snap. That takes a bit of work. That takes a little bit of time to talk with somebody, to ask questions, to listen, to gain their interests. Not necessarily to push my interests on you so that you will now be interested in what I have to what I am interested in. Please know I'm talking to me. I'm wanting to understand and gain your interest. That's Philippians 2 4. The next that I'm going to take a moment is I'm going to read in Hebrews 13. Keeping in mind when we're talking about interest, my gaze is not on me. My gaze is on them while I'm seeking their interest. I am not being heroic. I'm being loving. You see how I'm doing the hand motion? As we're, as we're talking, I'm not being heroic. I'm being loving. You get that? All right. Hebrews 13, 16. <clears throat> do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Do not be or do not neglect to do good with what you have, but share what you have. So, in other words, we actually have something. We already, at times, we're already going to have knowledge of the need. We're going to be, in a sense now, in this case, we're going to be neglectful if we don't act. Do not neglect to do good. 
We'll be neglectful if we don't act, if we have knowledge of this need. We already have the stuff that's needed to, to be helpful. Does that make sense? Maybe materially, maybe an answer, maybe whatever, fill in the blank. We've already got the stuff. You know what I'm saying? So when we share what we have, well, then God is pleased. Now, that doesn't sound very miraculous to me. In fact, it starts with what we already have. So how does that apply today? What are we looking for today? Well, we just read from Scripture to look on others' interests and to do good and share what we have. Okay, now that honestly sounds like something my mom would say to me during my kindergarten years. Moms probably have said that probably thousands of times. That doesn't sound very much out of my reach. You know what I'm saying? It sounds rather common. So let's think about this. What opportunities are pre present with me and with us every day? So I'm going to say it again. Great opportunities to help others seldom come. But small ones come daily. And I want to add this. That these opportunities are cleverly disguised as service. These opportunities will cleverly be disguised as service. And then you and I will look very much like a servant. That makes sense? So when we serve the least, we are actually doing the very work of God. When we, by our thoughts and our behaviors, are the least, we got to know that we are doing the work of Christ. That small opportunities come daily, but you and I have the ability to say, do we, any of us, have the ability to say that the work of Christ is small? Well, no. Of course not. I don't think I would have the guts to say that. You guys remember the parable of the talents that was read earlier today. And, and, and the point of that, what was happening during the parable of the talents? Uh, Christ was giving God, or the, the master was giving a talent. He was giving a number of talents, one, two, five. He's, he's throwing, giving that to folks. And what were they doing with those talents? Well, they were using those talents. Now, one did not. That person, I might be, you might say, was neglectful. Does that make sense? They did not use what they had. That person was neglectful. Now, the others did use what they had. They exercised their abilities. They probably discerned. They probably looked on the interest of others. They probably did something with those talents. And so what did the master do when he came back? Well, he said, well done, and then what? And then he added to them to their talents. They didn't have a certain number of talents. Now they had more talents. Does that make sense? He took that and then he magnified it. Does that make sense? <coughs> the one who was neglectful, what happened? Well, that was taken. That was taken. And then he gave it over here. Right. So as we're thinking about the talents... We are exercising what we already have. We're using the stuff that we're already being given. So let's continue for a moment. I'm going to get to Phoebe here now and talk about what, what she was doing. Okay? 
he says this. He says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who was a servant of the church of Centria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. So what did she do? What was the thing that Phoebe was doing? Well, this says she served the church. That was the thing she was doing. Very specific. A servant of the church. That's what she did. How was she described? She was described a servant. She served the church. She is a servant of the church. That's how she's described. Now, again, this is scripture. Paul is doing this, but God is doing this through Paul. In the end, was her help, quote-unquote, was her help small? No. No, her help was not small. She was received in a manner worthy of the saints. And we got to remember, she's being commended here. Was she to be served as well? Was she only a servant, or was she to be served as well? Yes, of course. He said to the Rome, he said to the Romans, assist her in whatever business she needed. Help her help. Does that make sense? Help her serve. So she was described as being a helper of many and also as Paul, or also of Paul. So because she successfully carried this epistle of Romans to Rome, this message was made available to Rome. From her hands and protection, this message came to you and to me today. What if Phoebe would have failed in that task? You and I would not be reading this today. We would not have had the book of Romans today to go through. In the last eight months or however long we've been doing this, would have been reading out of some other epistle. But Paul preserved Romans. God knew she was the person for the job. And he placed this opportunity in her hands. She was given this talent. Just like he will place opportunities in your and my hands. He will place these opportunities in our hands. So listen to what was said at the beginning of, the, of this discussion <clears throat> that calls us to recognize our daily small opportunities. So in this case, it included the need for her to help deliver a document. Turns out this document was a very epistle in the word of God himself to the people of Rome and to you and to me. So it's fair to say that this small opportunity used by God turned it into a great one. The small service actually turned into a great one because it was used of God. So doesn't this remind us of the parable of the talents? God magnifies our service. Didn't he magnify by that parable the service? And in this case, does he not magnify Phoebe's service? So what small opportunities will he use in our lives today? I'm going to read out of John chapter 13. It says this. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, that I could probably, we could turn that into a whole message. But I'm going to skip down a little bit. I'm reading verses 1 through 12, but I'm going to skip a little, okay? 
It continues on, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments. He took a towel and he girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. I'm going to jump down to verse 12 now. It says this, So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I've just done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. And if then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent is greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you who do them. C.S. Lewis said this of servanthood. <clears throat> now I'm going to substitute some of his quote with, uh, and apply it to us here and now. But he said this, I believe the men of this age think too much about the state of the nations and the situation of the world. Are we warned against involving ourselves too much with such things? We are not kings. We are not senators. Let us beware, while we torture ourselves about the fate of the United States, we neglect Harrisburg or Grove City. If the poor man who knocks at my door or in my ailing mother or in the young man who seeks my advice the Lord himself is present. Therefore, let us wash his feet. So, what life examples will be useful to our children? What life's examples will be useful to our neighbors, or to our families? Now, I know many cases I'm preaching to the choir because I can speak to the service that I've received from folks who are in this room. Please be encouraged. Okay? Please know this is an encouraging word to you this morning because I can speak firsthand the service that I see. I can speak firsthand the help that I've witnessed. It's been wonderful. I want you to be exhorted and encouraged to continue these things. We know what this looks like. We know how this feels when this is not occurring. But guess what? This is occurring. So let's think about it in this, in this context. What life examples are going to be witnessed by our little guys and our girls? Be encouraged. Great opportunities to help others seldom come, but small ones come daily. And these opportunities look very much like service one to another. And the Lord himself is right there at these daily opportunities. The Lord is there. It is he who will magnify your and my service toward one another. And of course, who one another is? Well, who one another? Mom, dad, son, daughter, sister, brother, grandmother, grandfather, brother in Christ, neighbor, people. One another equals people. Our people. His people. So here are these questions. I'm going to close with these. What about these small examples after several generations? 
What will our great-grandchildren see in our grandchildren that will provide a good example in the culture of our nation decades from now? Well, I can safely say that I have no idea what our culture will look like 100 years from now. But I can say that the timeless truths of Scripture will be just as needful then as they are now. We can take that to the bank. Or maybe our new phrase ought to be, we can take that scroll to Rome. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, it's great to know that service is right here. Now, it's with one another. It's with our guys and our girls, with our brothers, with our sisters, with folks who are in this room, Lord, with family across the road, with loved ones down the street, with the things that we already have that you've given us, and you tell us that these little small things, you are right there. And you tell us as we serve, you magnify that service. Lord, I'm so thankful for that. And I pray, God, that my heart would continue to know that and would continue to grow in that. Lord, as we see the example that, that is given one to another, God, that our eyes would, uh, would understand what we're seeing. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be a witness to such great things, Lord, that come in such small packages, but they are not small. They are also great. Thank you so much for the example of those that are in this room. And, Lord, for those that we know and love that are down the road, too. I pray, God, that our service would continue, that you would continue to put in our hearts the encouragement to do just these things, to know that these things are what bring us closer to you because you are present in these things. And, Lord, that you magnify them as well. We thank you again in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.